Hey guys, welcome to today's podcast episode. My name is James Opare and joining me is my co-host, Nugel. Hello and welcome for joining us today. Um, on our podcast, we have a couple of stories to talk about, ranging from Facebook to Pandora Papers to the debt ceiling and Bitcoin. Yep. We have a wonderful lineup today for you guys and I hope you enjoy as you listen and if you're listening please try to subscribe on whatever platform it is you're listening to us from yeah so let's start with pandora papers i think that is one of the most interesting one on our list of topics today and i think it's really interesting because like it contains it contains the name of like really top people in government and politics in business um celebrities and also criminals and Nubel, can you like give us the lead on Pandora Papers and what it's all about? All right. Okay. So I think the, the first thing I'm going to say is that, okay, this is not exactly the first time we're having this. So we have, we had the Panama Papers, right? And well, it, it, to, to an extent, it's basically the same thing, right? The only difference is that for the Pandora Papers, it was massive, like it, it was on a scale that we've never seen before, right? But but the um, the structure and the context of the Panama Papers is not necessarily different from what we saw, you know, a couple of years ago in the Pandora Papers. And well, this this whole situation of what it is like. To an extent, it, is, it simply ex- exposes a flaw in the systems that we, as mankind in our evolution, that we have created. You know, this capitalistic system that that we operate in, right? And it simply exposes the flaws that 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 that, that is almost, to an extent, imminent. Like it's almost existential to the capitalistic system, which is that, right? Rich people or the haves they find it rather easy to get away with some certain things and they find it relatively easy to bend the rules you know bend the law or move around in gray areas something that is not necessarily easy for ordinary people you know for the average for the average joe all right so let's talk about what we do know you know the facts right so the pandora papers similar to the panel papers we are about 12 million documents that we've released and um, spans across all continents and about 90 plus countries around the world, you know, you know, with the usual suspects, you know, clergymen, heads of state, you know, um, celebrities and the likes and public officials, you know, and um, the, the Pandora Papers to an extent, for me, it wasn't surprising, I'm being honest here, because I, I felt like when it happened the first time, when we saw the leaks back in 2016, um, we and we saw the kind of individuals that were exposed, and we saw what governments did after that, which was basically nothing. I, I'm not surprised that we are seeing what we saw a couple of days ago, right? Because if you don't try to solve a problem, nothing really happens, right? And I felt maybe it was a bit unnecessary. The best, in my opinion, that the Pandora people did for us was to 
exposed to you know discerning individuals as to who amongst you know their political class or their ruling class is engaging in certain certain um let's say shady behaviors because you have to understand these things are not necessarily illegal right by by very large margin they are legal right or they exist in kind of like a gray area right and that that's probably the reason why most governments have decided to turn a blind eye you know to what what exactly has happened but let's let's go to a bit of my opinion on the subject which is that right this system that we have created for ourselves as individuals right even though we have placed some certain um let's say some certain you know protocols so so you know wealth in our society could be distributed evenly right by 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 very large margin we fall short again and again so most countries in the world have a progressive tax system right which 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 increases which increases as your your range of income increases so help you know making sure that the rich get to pay more and the poor get to pay less right but things like this like what what was revealed in the panama papers only to an extent tells us that even though we have set certain rules to ensure that there's equity in our societies right those who are up the food chain get to exempt themselves you know from from pain what's right right and the, the the major problem for me here is that it is almost completely legal right so if i, if I were to throw a question to you right when the panel paper were released how many people fell because of it right how many public officials lost their money how many public officials faced lawsuit because of what they had you know hidden away in offshore companies not much right because this is something that this is something that it happens right and the government turns a blind eye and people don't stop doing it as a matter of fact it it almost to an extent it creates an awareness for those who did not know they could hide their wealth you know that is how i, I personally see it and i think if we as a society care you know care about equity as we claim we do okay depending on the society you live in if we as a society give two cents about what is equitable right and what is not then we need to begin to close these loopholes. That is a bit of my opinion, you know. And this is why I'm a bit sympathetic with liberals who come out and say, "Okay, we need to tax the rich more." I, I do agree with that to an extent because we we should tax them more, however we could, because they are already hiding off their wealth, right? So my take on that is almost the same as yours, right? So some years ago, there was a Panama Papers that was leaked and nothing was done against it, against the officials that were involved in it. Today, or recently, we have the Pandora Papers that was leaked. I'm cutting across business people and officials from different countries and all spheres of life, right? And these are basically people hiding their wealth, right? And I don't really see anything bad in hiding your wealth. First of all, we have to... Like you said, yeah, um, offshore banking is actually offshore banking is actually not illegal, 
right? Tax savings is actually not legal, but it's actually a good premises for um, a lot of people to actually hide their wealth, including stolen wealth from governments, from countries, or from banks, or from illegal activities like selling drugs and all of that, right? But um, if you address the whole story, why people are hiding their wealth, especially the billionaires, and it's not just for tax evasion, right? Or that they are paying a lot of tax in their country. It's also for the security of their wealth and in their asset that could be confiscated in their country if the government seem to be not sympathetic with them. There's the other issue of taxation as a whole and how effective, effective taxation are. So when <clears throat> the rich pay a lot of taxes, right, do they really feel like their wealth is being well utilized to actually um, create more jobs or do a lot of public create a lot of public infrastructure that will help the people, right? So I think they kind of like feel that way. And that is one of the reasons why they actually opt in for like tax havens and offshore banking, right? If I was a billionaire today, I will do the same thing. Because if, I, if you're a billionaire in an emerging market, um, there are likely chances that your wealth could be confiscated or your wealth or tax won't be used for the public benefit at large. So the government has its own fault on this. And the other fault of the government is they create the loopholes for this, right? They create the gray areas for this by making laws and making, um, and putting laws in place generally around taxation and actually wealth. And they actually create these loopholes for the rich people. Right, see, the, the average, um, don't let me say poor person, but the average person might not be able or might not necessarily need to put his money in a tax haven, right? It doesn't make sense for him because he needs that money probably this year, this month, or this week for um, daily or monthly um, expenditures, right? So there's actually no point because a lot of, I think a lot, the average person doesn't know Right, but I think the information about tax haven is no news for a lot of people, especially people in the West, right? But there's really no need for them to actually put their money in tax havens, right? But if I was a billionaire today, I would actually do the same thing, right? I totally understand why this has happened. The other thing I'm not actually, um, I didn't really like about this is, you know, um, saying head of states appearing in the list, both present and past ones like Tony Blair, um, Vladimir Putin, Putin's girlfriend, uh, which actually um, have about more than a hundred million dollars in, in tax havens. And um, the old Kenya presidency, you know, from both present and past, you know, and some other head of state, you know, like for them, how they got their wealth is obviously questionable, right? For Vladimir Putin, his wealth is obviously questionable, right? And other people also, even from African countries, because this president don't really get paid that much to have a hundred million dollars in just four years of tenure or eight years of tenure, if they're in a democracy, 
you know. That doesn't really make sense, you know. How did they get their money, right? How did they get their money, you know? So the concept around stealing money and stealing money and putting it in tax savings, yes, that is what I don't really like and I don't really accept. But if I was a billionaire, I'd probably do the same thing, to be honest. Yes, actually, I, I do understand, you know, why people tend to want to hide their wealth, right? Depending on what country you are in, you know, your wealth could be at risk due to certain things like political instability. So, yeah, I do see the incentive for hiding your wealth. But, you know, the funny um, um, counterpoint is if you're hiding your wealth in a particular country, right, you are also not 100% certain of, you know, the political nature or political stability of that country. So no matter where it is, your wealth is still being threatened to an extent, right? And and yes, I, I understand people wanting to hide their wealth for certain reasons. It's very understandable, right? But I feel, personally, I feel when people hide their wealth, you know, and at the end of the day, if you were to sum up, you know, the amount of taxes they taxes they actually get to pay. Now, I personally think, like, I personally think that, you know, I think that it's a very dis- discomforting, you know, thing to, to to have to deal with, because if I maximize the tax code in my country, and at, at the end of the day. I'm paying 10% of, of taxes when I earn nine figures, let's like just nine figures, right? It, I, I think it's personally unfair to the larger society. You know, I, I personally think so, right? But I understand the, the need to hide your wealth, even though, to an extent, if, if the reason people are hiding their wealth is because of, you know, reasons like political instability, if you're hiding your wealth in a particular country, that country, to an extent, still has a certain level of you know you know um political issues to deal with as well so it's not a hundred percent foolproof you know there is still a certain level of risk but you know some, something uh, something worth pointing out in the panel papers just as well as you know the panel papers is that in the u.s there are a significantly low amount of high profile names right so um one would think Considering the fact that they, you know, that country generates the highest amount of billionaires and generally wealthy people right in the world, one would think that they have lots of names, high profile names, that use offshore banking to hide wealth. Let's 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 be clear on that. But no, that doesn't seem to be the case, right? And I think it's because well, we know why it is, right? Because in the U.S. alone, there are you know the the tax code is, is a bit complicated, right? And, you know, these billionaires, they, they are well conversant. You know, they have the accountants, the economists, you know, and the lawyers, right? So they know all the loopholes. They know how to get away with it. You know, they know exactly how to store assets, how to, you know, declare assets, how to file their papers, right? So that they get to exempt themselves from certain tax, you know, all right, so if, if you if you were to check globally, right, the tax evasion alone, you know, not now I'm not talking about the 
other reasons why people hide wealth. Talking about tax evasion alone, you know, it's costing countries around the globe around 500 billion US dollars, right? Now that that that's a lot. Like this this is money that could be used to you know further humanity in so many ways, right? But you know, this amount of money has been shielded away in certain countries and certain shell companies, you know, under certain names that are not actually theirs, you know, under names of family members and rest, right? And you know, people do this, and I feel if we consider just for a little bit just how much this is costing our planet. Yes, I do think this is something some certain some countries should take seriously, but there should be laws being put in place to try to curb just how much people are engaging in such behaviors. Now, it's not illegal, so it's a bit difficult, but it's not impossible, right? And something else I want to point out from the Panama Papers, as well as the Pandora Papers, is that the amount of US billionaires is significantly low, right? And one of the reasons for that is because the US tax code is well, it's very complicated, right? But to an extent, too, is well known to those who know. So if you, if you if you are rich, right, you have access to lawyers, you have access to accountants, right? And these people know the US tax code so well that they don't even need to send their money abroad, like they hide it in the United States through various methods that they are very that they are very well conversant with, right? And this you know, um, tax evasion, like it's usually something that people do, you know, um, with offshore companies, like with companies in the countries, I'm sorry, billionaires in the US, right? They they do it in their country, right? And it's funny because how, how exactly or why exactly are we not looking for ways? Okay, so fine. If people do it in you know another country, we could say, okay, yes, it's a bit more difficult to you know to stop it, right? But if people are doing it in your own backyard, I believe we should have come up with ways. Know, to stop stop things like this from happening yeah i totally get your point i totally get your point i think that is true for also large companies like mostly mostly tech companies in the u.s right they kind of like have uh, their tax locally paid in tax havens like ireland or iceland where taxes actually are relatively low compared to that of the u.s it's that became actually very big question um, among the US Congress and also among the Euro European Union Congress, right? So I think some some weeks ago, right, the Europe is actually planning to pass or probably they've passed the law already. Um, so I've kind of like a unified um, agreement on taxation in Europe, especially for big tech, right? And I don't think really that also really makes sense because you kind of like have that exception for other um, tech companies, right? Other smaller tech companies that are unicorns or below a billion dollar valuation. And you have only that exclusive um, law for only Google, Facebook, Amazon, and the rest, right? So it's kind of like... Um, an hypocrisy here that the European Union is doing, right? In 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 the U.S., so um, Treasury Secretary 
um, Kenneth Gillens was kind of like kind of like calling out to the world to actually have a global uniform tax rate of 12%, right? I, f- I feel that actually could make sense, right? Because that actually is actually better for both big tech and small companies, right? Smaller companies, right? So I totally get, I totally get that. If you have any comments on um, this also, you can, you can actually say, you know, but I think we should move on to the next topic. Um, which is actually Bitcoin, right? And Bitcoin is actually having a bull ride recently over the past um, one week, actually, since the secretary, um, the secretary um, chairman Gary Gensler of the SEC um, actually said that he wants the SEC won't actually ban Bitcoin like China did, right? And that can like cause a lot of movement in a bull way towards um, Bitcoin adoption. We saw Bitcoin price going to 55,000 US dollars and that has actually not happened um, recently. The last time that happened was like in, I think in May, right? So yeah, Bitcoin is actually back and I think Bitcoin is actually back for good because the US is kind of like not stopping this, right? They might regulate it, but they are not stopping this. And I think that is actually good news for a lot of people. All right, James, you are correct. It is good news. Okay, so before I, I, I go deep, I, you know, I was having a series of thought of, of, of late, and I, I, want, I want to share this here. It concerns Bitcoin, right? And cryptocurrencies, you know, in general. Right, because let's make a bit of a comparison, right? Now, some economics do not consider Bitcoin as an asset, you know, because it doesn't really do anything, right? It just stays there and, you know, it is expected to, you know, you know, you know whoever buys it is expected to sell it to somebody else, right? All right, but to an extent, right, we've always had something like that, right? And probably because of its its age you know it has to an extent it has you know evolved into something that is so ingrained in our society which is gold right okay so fine you know of late we've had reasons to use gold we've had um we've had uh, you know we have things like you know in manufacturing and phones Right in TVs in the late 80s and 90s, you know, those um, cathode ray, you know, television tubes, right? We've had reasons to have gold, you know, but and we've, you know, in silverware, jewelry, right? But you have to understand something, right? The value of gold to a very large extent, it's, you know, it, it, it lies in its perception what people think or what people feel about it. So let me give, let me, let me, let me, let me throw. You know, to a scenario up there. Let's say we were to let's let's say there, there, there was to be another civilization in Mars, and there was gold in Mars. What are the odds that gold will be valuable to them as it is to us? It's it, it's very low, right? Because the only reason why gold has its value, it's because of its perception, right? And that is something that that, that you know, there's an aspect that Bitcoin is very, very, very similar right so bitcoin has this value because of its perception 
right and you have to understand that perception is very 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 volatile right something could happen now and you know people could change perception or you know something like that right and you have to understand something right bitcoin is extremely new it's been for it's been around for how long 10 years it was about yeah 10 10 11 years right people have not gotten extra people have got have not gotten very used to bitcoin i'm sure they are you know and bitcoin and blockchain technology in general now i'm sure there are a lot of you know lots of ways that we could maximize the use of you know this cryptocurrency you know so this this is you know so this is probably the reason why i'm a bit more optimistic about bitcoin not because it's such a great financial you know as i go i i believe if we do not destroy bitcoin if we do not crack down on bitcoin you know like china did which, which you know which our person said thumbs up to the us right to you know to the sec you know for allowing bitcoin that freedom to grow right and i personally feel like if we if, if bitcoin lives long enough if we allow it to live long enough it will eventually attain the status that gold has right because let's face it there, there, there is a finite amount of gold in the world we, we don't know it yet right but it is definite that like we can't create more matter you know we can't create more we, we, we can't begin to artificially manufacture gold right that's almost it is theoretically possible but it's not feasible right so so there, there's no time that we're going to do that and there, there's, there's a finite amount of bitcoin we could actually mine right so there, there's this striking similarities right and gold is only valuable because of the perception we give to it right and because of its you know um it's, it's scarcity right because of, because of scarcity of gold and i think bitcoin has those same characteristics right so for people who talk about bitcoin like it's nothing like it does nothing well yes it does nothing it works on perception and maybe that's a good thing maybe that's the ultimate store of value that is in you know that 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 that's ingrained in human society sorry that's ingrained in human consciousness i, th- I think it's better used that word so yes bitcoin is doing well but even though its growth is rapid and i don't i don't really blame bitcoin everything about <laughs> everything about this day and time is extremely rapid everything about this time especially you know this internet age that we live in everything about it is fast everything moves fast right so, you know so the growth of bitcoin so so growth of bitcoin isn't necessarily surprising but i'll be a lot more comfortable if it was a bit step steady yeah if, if the growth was a bit steady but yeah bitcoin hitting 55,000, but it hasn't gone you know it hasn't gone back to what it was about nine months about six months ago that was sixty thousand, right and yes bitcoin will do better <laughs> but i think it's it's pretty obvious right that bitcoin reacts to whatever major announcement has been made yeah it's pretty obvious you know when, when china started cracking down on bitcoin it went down right and now uh, you know due to the announcement by the sec it, it went up about seven thousand six six to seven thousand in the past five five to six days right this is what this is basically what what bitcoin does and i feel we, a lot of us would be a lot more comfortable if that, that wasn't the case if, if it wasn't so reactionary right if it doesn't the case with bitcoin yeah it will it, be, be a lot more comf- comfortable but i think fine the sec would not um you know crack down on bitcoin but i think it's it's 
it's expedient that they regulate Bitcoin. And in one, in one aspect, I think it's expedient that they regulate. Hmm. This may bring some form of political controversy, but if Bitcoin reacts so much based on what people say, you know, by such huge fluctuations, right? If that's what Bitcoin does, then I think maybe for the for the sake now this is not a personal opinion yeah it is a personal opinion but i think but for the sake of the, you know for this medium of exchange we should probably look for ways to limit people from saying things that you know affects the price of bitcoin yeah so i think you're right on the last point especially on how the sec can actually regulate bitcoin and that means the SEC might be a little bit people-oriented in their regulations towards Bitcoin because Bitcoin is a speculative asset and it's a speculative asset that writes better or best on news or hype, probably hype from Elon Musk or Michael Saylor or some of these huge believers in Bitcoin, right? I think, I think that's one of the points that we can actually that the SEC can actually use to actually regulate Bitcoin. They have to be a little bit people-oriented in their regulations to Bitcoin. And also, um, they have to also be on social media or probably be um, a lot of regulations towards tech companies who kind of like flag some type of news hype or fake news around Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency assets, right? I think that's the way the SEC can actually regulate Bitcoin, to, at least to some extent. Right, until we we'll actually find better metrics to actually regulate these cryptocurrency. Bitcoin is actually relatively new and and the technology behind it is actually relatively new, right? Blockchain technology and, and even the old digital world is actually relatively new. Like the internet is just 32 years old, right? And that is really relatively new, right? So, and also I think there's only like 4 billion people out of 8 billion people that are connected on the internet globally, right? By 2030, that number will have been seven, there are about to eight billion people connected globally on the internet. Yeah, so Bitcoin is relatively new to some people. Some people haven't heard about Bitcoin, right? So it will take time for Bitcoin to actually become that huge asset class, that big promise that a lot of people are depending upon it to be, which is they want Bitcoin to be a 200 trillion dollar asset like the equity market um, and or the bond market which is relatively around that price right bitcoin market cap is relatively around two trillion right and another thing i wanted to say on gold is that gold might not be uh it might be finite but it might be in abundance so both on earth right where We've not actually excavated um, the places where there could be potentially a lot of gold, which is the ocean, right? But also uh, in technological adva- advances. So there's this company in San Francisco. They are actually reproducing diamond, like they're recreating diamond, right? If you want to be perfections or imperfections, they can recreate diamond out of thin air, right? And to be very, it to be a physical diamond, right? So there are a lot of things happening in that space also and in that technology and they can use that technology to actually do that for gold, right? And make gold pretty much abundant. Not necessarily um, infinite, but pretty much abundant, 
right? And also, like, there's also, you know, the thoughts of even, like, blowing up asteroid and excavating asteroid or mining asteroid, right, to find gold, which contains, like, quadrillions worth of gold and other mineral resources, right? So, gold, to be honest, see, if you go back from history in itself, right, gold was not really the most valuable material out there. It was aluminium at a point, right? Um, there was a time Napoleon, I think Napoleon, I don't know which one of them, but invited the king of Siam, Siam to a dinner, and he, Napoleon, else, its existences were made of gold. His servants' utensils was was made of silver, but the king of Siam, his utensils was made of um, aluminium because, at, as at that time, aluminium was the most precious. Um, material on earth until we actually found a way to actually um, process aluminium and make it to what it is today right so that could be the case for gold it's already the case for diamond right and that could be the case for gold right so gold gold is still gold in itself is so it's really speculative right is that spec is a speculative asset almost like bitcoin right it's just a bitcoin is fractionalized you could buy bitcoin for um a hundred dollars twenty dollars right but gold it's it has a specific um base units or carat um which actually fits according to the market right the market decides it right um so i think i think that's the case for gold right for bitcoin Bitcoin could be relatively something big because see, I, I think I think China banning banning Bitcoin again is nothing, right? Because um, it doesn't matter anymore. Like any news we hear from China really doesn't really affect our lives anymore as that before, right? Or as of some months ago, right? I think people are actually um, kind of like seeing China as a debt. Um, as a debt-laden nation, which has a lot of debt to pay, which is actually burning a lot, which are, its banks are actually failing and defaulting on their debt, right? Even questionably, the Belt and Road Initiative, right, is being used, the financing of that huge project is all with debt, you know? Everything is with debt, like China used debt to, to build itself, right? right. So, um, China's debt is, 50, 50 um, trillion compared to 15 trillion of their GDP, right? So the debt crisis all over the world, I think it's, I think it's a major concern. I'm, we've heard news in the USA recently, um, some weeks ago, that um, the Treasury Secretary Janet Yellen said that the US could actually run out of money by October 18, which is in a few weeks, right? And President Joe Biden has come out to actually address on that particular issue and so the US wants to actually raise the debt ceiling so, so that they can actually print more money, right? So that is that will cause like an hyperinflatory reward because I mean forty percent of all US dollar in circulation today was printed in twenty twenty alone and I think seventy percent of all US dollar in circulation 
was printed after the 2008 financial crash you know so uh i think we've never seen this before in our time and i think we're going to experience like a huge huge um inflation and hyperinflatory reward in this decade and i think this is actually a call to actually also get prepared if it's gold if it's bitcoin that'll be the reserve asset to edge against inflation right but what's your take on like the debt ceiling and usa running out of money all right so basically to put it into context right so the debt ceiling is kind of like say the u.s government or congress tells the treasury all right so this is the maximum amount of money you could borrow to spend on whatever it is you want to spend on right so that that is what a debt ceiling is and in 2020 you know the heat of the pandemic basically the republican-led congress told basically suspended the debt ceiling which is pretty much saying okay we're not going to tell you how much you're going to spend you could spend any amount you want to spend you understand and i, I believe in, in, you know in the trump administration alone right which ended you know um beginning of this year about $8 trillion was added to the debt profile of, you know, of the United States, taking it up to about $21 trillion. Right? You understand? So that, you know, suspending the debt, I, I feel the next year was a bad idea, but it was probably necessary. But, well, we are feeling, you know, its impact right now. So it was suspended up until about August, right? So now they need to come up with a new debt ceiling, right? And Yellen, Yellen is basically saying, all right, guys, we have to do this now, right? You know, because if we don't do this now, we're going to run out of money. And something that I feel is necessary to point out is the fact that the money, right, that is, if when the debt ceiling is, you know, is increased, right, that money is going to be used to service the debt that, you know, to service money that has already been spent, which is basically money that was spent between that was spent in the past administration, you know, not necessarily money that's about to be spent, you know, the debt is going to be used to service what has already been spent, right? And then there's, there's this political, you know, debacle that's going on, in, you know, in Congress in the U.S. right now, you know, Republicans are saying, you know, Mitch McConnell is basically saying, all right, guys, he's basically saying, okay, the Democrats have, have the presidency, they have the vice presidency, they have the Senate, you know, and they have the house, right? So he's basically saying, "All right, you you all can do whatever it is you want to do. We you know we can't stop you even if we want to, even if we try, right?" Well, you know, I personally think he's not telling the whole story because Democrats are saying, "All right, we don't want our hands alone all over this thing, you know, all over this whole situation because the debt that we are paying for is, in in certain terms, it is your debt." So you should be involved in paying it, or at least in the process that leads to paying that debt. You understand? So yeah. So that, that that's you know that's basically the whole political situation. But let's get something into context, right? If if the debt ceiling is not raised, if nothing is done about this whole situation, well, <laughs> the you know U.S. Treasury will run out of money, right? And it will to an extent affect. The global economy because we see we see this uh, I think in Obama presidency, right? I think at some point, the the U.S. was hours away from defaulting on you know on its 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 debts, right? You know because they have to service some of their bond issues, you know some of the bonds that they've issued out, they have to pay investors, you know, and all that kind of stuff. And 
we at, at this point considering that we are still just recovering from you know a pandemic or you know from sorry from a recession that was induced by a pandemic the u.s cannot afford to make us slip back because estimates have shown that if we do indeed that if the debt ceiling is not raised and the u.s begins to default on some of its payback what will happen is an estimated nine percent of gdp will be lost right six about six million jobs you know, imagine what that we do on a global scale it will definitely be catastrophic right okay so to give you a bit more of, a, of an analysis of what it will look like if the debt ceiling is not raised so take a look take a look like this so if the u.s fails to increase or raise the debt ceiling right the treasury will not have enough money to pay back its loans Right. And and last I checked, servicing loans alone in the U.S. cost you know cost the Treasury about 800 billion dollars annually. Right. If the U.S. was to default on its loans, it would you know it basically sends kind of like, like like a signal to investors, right? And it will reduce the creditworthiness of the U.S. Right. And investors will begin to ask for their money. That is only going to lead to increasing interest rates. Right. And that's 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 going to increase the amount of you know. You're going to increase the interest in the loans, hereby eventually increasing the amount they have to pay. And if, if, if that's the case, if, if, if that money, let's say, caps at $1 trillion, that you're basically, to an extent, the U.S. is basically depriving other aspects of its its budget, right? The, the necessary funds that they require. So things like Medicaid, child care, you know, um, leave, paid leaves, paid vacation, you know, things like that. Those things will, will begin to get cut in one way or the other. Right, and those things would simply send negative signals throughout the economy in general. And so, so there's a question that comes up. So people say, um, um, if we keep increasing, you know, our debt profile, isn't that necessarily a bad thing? Well, to an extent, not really. So you have to consider the fact that if GDP growth in the U.S. It's, it's in the past ten years, there's been about two percent, two, say two to four percent, right? While um, um, its debts, its um, payback on its debts is about 0.2%, right? So, to an extent, there are, I, I think it's probably safe to say that, fine, the GDP growth, you know, is overriding the increase in its, the payback on, on its debt. So, they don't necessarily feel, feel the impact of increasing debt, right? But you have to consider if such a thing continues to happen, let's say, five, six, let's say every every two years, they have to increase the debt ceiling and accumulate more debt. On the long run, like a long run, you begin to have some issues, you know, really, because if you are paying about 700 to $900 billion, you know, to service your loans every year. Now think about it in, in a decade, that's about $9 trillion. You understand that's about nine trillion US dollars. Now, such such things will begin to hurt the economy. So for now, the average person doesn't really feel it. Even when the ceiling is raised, right, they spend more. Right? The, the average person would not really feel the impact. But I'll, you know, but on the long run, right, say in, in ten years, in two decades, in ten decades, sorry, in two or three, four decades, by the time you accumulate how much would have been spent, then you're going to see the actual impact here on the economy. You're right. Yeah, um, these were some very good points you've made about the U.S. economy and 
raising the debt ceiling. I think my final thought here would be on the inflation scares that might be happening this decade based on what happened last year with QE and money printing and also how um, the US economy has been wrong currently, right? So there's a lot going to happen also. And for example, the stock market also is at a point where correction is actually on the verge of happening, correction on growth stock especially, or valued um, valuation of startups that have no zero revenue, that have no product um, produced at scale or distributed at scale, right? Um, possibly, possibly a big um, shaving of some of this valuation could likely happen. Right. So on the start on the side of the stock market, there's likely not gonna be a major bull crash, I would say, but probably a market correction that might hit hard and affect a lot of people and probably wipe out wiped out um billions if not trillions of value. Yes, so this is some very good point you've made. I don't know how Bitcoin would Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency would perform during this inflation. This is the first time Bitcoin and other cryptocurrency will be put at test in an inflation period. So we'll see how that goes on. But meanwhile, we've come to the end of this episode and it was really, really great. Um, you listening till the end of this episode, if you, if you made it to the end of this episode, uh, thank you very much. Um, Keep on following us and we have subsequent episode coming up every week. Yes, yeah, so see you to the next one.